Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 20th of June, 2010, entitled, The Man God Chose for a Father. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you've got your, uh, your Bibles open there this morning, um, I will say that... Uh, I realize it's not Christmas, that it's Father's Day. Uh, As we read this passage from Matthew chapter 1, uh, notice beginning in verse 18, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word, beginning in Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to make take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Father, we thank you so very much, Lord, for the privilege of being able to be together here in your house this morning. Thank you for the health and the strength and the freedom and the opportunity that we have. Thank you for our church, Lord, and those that, Lord, are committed to it, that make it what it is. Father, thank you for each one that is able to to be here and to be a part because, Lord, we believe with all of our hearts that each one of your children, Lord, have their own gift, which, Lord, is, is able to be used for the betterment of the body. Father, we pray that as we meet together this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would take and, and use this time for your glory. We pray, Lord, that you would lead and guide in the message, Lord, that you would undertake. Lord, we realize that there is nothing that we have to give or uh, that we can accomplish ourselves, that, uh, that, Lord, would be of any lasting value whatsoever. We pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can today, and we give you the praise and glory for it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Our thought today, the man God chose for a father. And, of course, uh, we find that as we think of this man Joseph, that many times he's really almost uh, uh, non-existent in our thinking. He's more like a a footnote in in the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about this this man. But we can be sure and certain that this is the man that God was choosing because he didn't just choose Mary when the Lord Jesus Christ was conceived in her womb. He chose a family, Mary and Joseph, the home that that child would be raised in. We find that if God was going to place his son in this home, then he certainly would have been very concerned about who this man Joseph was when he made his choice. And granted, though the Bible doesn't tell us a a lot about him, uh, we are able to discern some pretty important things about him. We know that 
even though that he was one that was of royal lineage of King David himself, yet at the same time he was a humble, hardworking, honest carpenter uh, that went out and, and, and worked for his living. And of course, it was uh, very common in those days uh, for those that uh, uh, were in the same household that most of the time the, the sons in the family would take up the, the same occupation as the, as the father. We find in the, uh, uh, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 6 and in verse 3, the Word of God tells us, is not this, speaking of Joseph, the carpenter? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and, and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Now, we find that as we look here that just as was the custom that the Lord Jesus Christ had clearly uh, gotten involved in the same occupation as his father. Uh, the Bible here literally show, tells us that that Jesus himself was a carpenter, uh, just like his uh, his dad had been. Um, now, we can only assume, because the Bible doesn't give us a, a date, it doesn't tell us when Joseph left this world. Uh, we don't know how old he was. Uh, you read in some commentaries, and they would tell you that he was probably uh, significantly older than Mary. Uh, and that's why that he died and went off the scene earlier. But we don't know that for a fact. It's just an assumption. We do have some fairly good evidence, you know, that uh, for whatever reason and whatever his age was, that uh, uh, he had died prior to the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we don't even know if he was still alive during the public ministry of our Lord because we find him mentioned when Jesus is being described as his son, uh, but we find no evidence as to whether he was uh, uh, still living there or not. Uh, but we assume that because of the uh, the scriptures and the things that were told there, that he he must have uh, have left the scene. And of course, we we know that in the, in the Gospel of John, chapter uh, nineteen, that as Jesus Christ was hanging upon the cross, uh, that he gave the apostle John some specific instructions. Uh, concerning his mother, uh, in John chapter 19 and verse 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple, John, standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Now, there's absolutely no reason on the face of the earth that Jesus would have asked John to take care of his mother, and that from that time on that, that John clearly took Mary into his own home if Joseph had still been on the scene. And of course, there's some other things, not our focus today, but we also find another important thing there at the cross that as Jesus was hanging there and leaving this world, he makes it clear that there is a relationship of John being the son of his mother and his mother being the mother of John, though she had not given physical birth to him. 
we find that just as assuredly that in this life many times there are those that maybe an individual, first of all, in the natural sense in this world, that has not actually physically been your birth parents, but they become your mother or your father in just as real a sense. And as we honor fathers here today, it's always a a difficult situation because there's some that have had good fathers and some that don't want to remember their fathers because they weren't very happy memories. There are some of you that still have fathers that are living and, and present with you, and some, as I've already said, like myself, that their fathers have on, gone on to be with the Lord. Some look back, and their memories are good memories and fond memories. And some look back to very bad memories. Some have had parents that, either mothers or fathers, that were abusive and neglectful and that brought a lot of pain to their lives. Or maybe they've had parents that were just sinful and drunkards, and I've already made the statement this morning. God says, honor thy father and thy mother. He doesn't say honor thy good father and mother. He doesn't say honor your perfect father and mother. And as I've already made sense, you owe honor to your parents this morning regardless if they were the best or the worst that ever lived, because they were your parents. Without them, you would not exist. And as a matter of fact, without them, without those specific parents, you would not be who you are today. God has created you, but he has used your mother and your father as the means for you to be brought into this world miraculously being a part of both of them. And so there's always mixed emotions on these days we think of fathers. And of course, fatherhood is an interesting thing. How many of you dads read some kind of interesting books on how to be a good father before you became a father? (laughs) How many of you, after you got into it and figured out just what you were getting into, you were wishing you had something to read on how to be a father? (laughs) Well, there's one thing that if you haven't, you should have. If you go buy a new car, somebody manufactured it. Somebody made it what it is. And it comes with what's known as an owner's manual. And, of course, if you read through that owner's manual, it'll tell you where all the little gadgets and buttons are and how you're supposed to take care of it and how often you're supposed to service it and all these good things because the person that made it knows what's supposed to happen. You go buy a new appliance for your home. It comes with some kind of an operator's manual that'll tell you what buttons to turn and which ones not to turn and when to do it and when not to. Well, men have all kinds of ideas, but may I say to you today, there is one manual for being a parent that comes to the one that created that child, and that's God himself. And we do need to read that. The difficulty today is too many are trying to be a parent, but they haven't even looked to see what God has told us that we should be doing. And, of course, there's all different stages, and they're all interesting. And usually it's whichever one that we're in at the time that we think is, boy, this is the hardest one yet. (laughs) Don't worry. One day they'll become teenagers. (laughs) The challenge is real. I remember, I think it was Dr. James Dobson giving the illustration in one of his family talks one time, and he was talking about teenagers. And I forget the ages. I think that it was about 
14 that you want to pick up, put them into one of these big wooden barrels and and put a lid on it and seal it and just cut a little hole in the side and, and kind of stick their food through and their water through day by day until, until they get, you know, to that 18 or 21 or whatever that, uh, you can release them again. But he said the problem is at about 16, you probably have to plug the hole up. <laughs> there used to be a, a thing that I haven't seen one in years, but there used to be a lot of these chain letters that went around. Anybody ever get one of these chain letters that comes along and it tells you, you know, what you do is you, you send these certain people, you know, your, your 10 pounds or whatever, and you put your name onto the list and you send this to so many people. And in six weeks or eight weeks or whatever, then you're going to get all these multi thousands of pounds, you know, for that that you sent off in its place. And it warns you don't break the chain because it's going to mess everybody up. And they said there was one that went around one time to, to parents. And if you had teenage parents, you were supposed to add your name onto the list. And as you added your name onto the list, you boxed up your teenager and you sent him off to such and such person on the list. And in six weeks' time, you'd end up with 16,100 and something uh, uh, teenagers on your doorstep. And hopefully out of that many, you'd find at least one that you could handle. <laughs> and they gave you fair warning. Don't break the chain because you'll be stuck with the one you've got. <laughs> and of course, there's laughter in that, but the thing is, it's a challenge. We used to have, I guess, a lot more than, than we do today of what, when people many times went to learn a job. We had journeymen and, 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 and assistants and, and those that, uh, that would come along and they would learn their trade by working along uh, someone else that, uh, that already knew that trade. Of course, we used to have a thing even in the military. There were certain things that you could go to the classroom and that uh, instructor could stand up there and he could teach you these things from a book. But there's some things that you just couldn't learn until you were there with your hands on. And, of course, they called it OJT, on-the-job training. And once you finished your learning from the manual, then you went on and you had to work alongside underneath someone else as an apprentice, if you would, and you worked along with that person getting on-the-job training until you were able to take the responsibility on yourself. Well, I can assure you that with children, Fathers, there's a lot of OJT involved. <laughs> there's a lot of on-the-job training. There's a lot of things that you just can't learn from a book. Now, it's important to read the manual, the one that created it and gave it to you because he's the one that knows. But some things you're going to have to learn by doing, by applying his principles to be able to accomplish that task. Now, I want to ask you this morning, this thing of fatherhood, why did God choose Joseph to be the earthly father of our Lord Jesus Christ? And as we look at some things about this man this morning, I want us to look and see, well, what was it about this man that made God choose him? You see, I've already said, and I want to remind you this morning, there are no zero zilch there are no perfect fathers except one, and that's our Heavenly Father. And how we do in fathering in this life, the only measure that is really important is not how we compare to so-and-so or this great uh, psychological uh, family individual or, or, or training individual. It's how we compare to the one that has given us that responsibility, that has 
created our, us and our children in the first place, how we compare with God the Father. That's the only scale that really matters. Now, if God chose Joseph, if he chose him to be the father of our Lord, well, there must have been some good reasons, and there must be some things that we can grasp from Joseph because he must have been a good role model if God chose him to father the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, first of all, I think that we see it in our, in our text. The Bible tells us, verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. That's what you see on the overhead uh, this morning, being a just man. Now, what does it mean to be a just man? Well, I've simply applied another word which is often translated from the same Greek word in our Bibles, and that's a righteous man. You see, he was a just man. He was a, a righteous man. The word can be translated either. It literally means to, to act or to be in conformity with divine or moral law. In other words, Joseph, he was a righteous man in the sight of God because he was living a life that conformed to the standards that God himself had laid down. Joseph, the man that was the head of his household, honored God with his lifestyle and clearly taught his family to do the same thing. We find that God himself describes him as this just or righteous man. Now, it's evidenced in, in many ways as we look at the few things that we know about him. But in Luke chapter 2, we find that the Bible states very clearly that Joseph was very concerned with God's law and doing things according to, to God's law. In Luke chapter 2, notice what it says, picking up in verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished... This was after the Lord Jesus Christ had been born. And when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. What did the angel told him to name the child? Jesus. Which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. We touched on this verse a few weeks back during dedication service of a little one. It is biblical to present those little ones to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. I say to you that why did God choose this man Joseph to be the father of our Lord Jesus Christ? First of all, because of the lifestyle of this man, because he was a righteous man. He lived a life 
according to God's requirements and God's principles that he had laid down, not the world. Now, I guess that if we looked around today, so many times fathers are measured in the eyes of this world for all kinds of reasons because of what they can give to their children, maybe how well that they can uh, can pass on a, a, a big inheritance to them or how much of a great education that they're able to uh, to, to send off and, and then come back with all of their titles and things it may be because of the Father's importance and position and power in this world that oftentimes those things seem to elate him to the status of being a great father. But I'm saying to you that none of those things matter in the eyes of God. That is not what makes a great father. That is not why God chose Joseph to be the father of his son. It was because the man lived a godly life. The Bible says he was a just man. He was a righteous man. He was a man that, that God's standards are what mattered to him. And he lived and taught his family accordingly. I believe that as we look at Joseph, we not only see that he was a, a righteous man that wanted to, to live for God, we see, secondly, that he was a responsive man. What do you mean, preacher? I mean that Joseph was willing to listen to God. He was willing to listen to God and act upon that and do precisely what God asked him to do. You see, it was God that came to him through an angel in this dream. Matthew chapter 1. Notice what it said there in verse 20 and 21. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sins. Notice verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. You see, he was responsive. First of all, he needed to be responsive in being willing to listen to what God said, what God wanted him to do as a father, how God wanted him to carry out that job. But just knowing isn't enough. He's not willing to act upon it. He responded to what God said. He was willing to go and do exactly as he'd been told to do. We know that Gabriel himself had appeared to Mary to inform her that she was going to be the mother of the promised Messiah. But then we find here in verse 20 that it was an angel of the Lord that appeared to Joseph telling him not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. You stop and think about it, folks. And that's, that's a pretty awesome thing when you stop and think in the natural. This was something that never, ever, 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 ever happened before and has never happened since. The virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize how much faith that it required in this man Joseph to accept and believe what God was telling to him? 
Now, he was obviously a compassionate man. He was a caring man, and that's not the, the direction that we're going here, but I want you, we know that for a fact from what we see of him. I mean, all of a sudden, here he is. He is, he is a spouse. He is engaged. He is about to be married to this woman, and suddenly she turns up pregnant. He knows it's not his child because he's never been with her. And yet, God comes to him. But you know, even then, he didn't just fly off the handle and throw up and, and make a public example of her, which so many would want to do. In the flesh, that would be their natural reaction. But he was going to do it privately. He, didn't, he wasn't even going to embarrass her in this, what seemed and appeared at that point to be this awful thing that she had done. He was just going to put her away privately and let it go. Then God come to him and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take this woman because that which has been conceived in her has been done by the Holy Ghost. This is God's child. Do you realize how much faith that it took in this man? We find that God chose this man, Joseph. God chose him because he was a righteous man, a man that his lifestyle, was that which wanted to honor God and live according to God's word and live according to God's principles and to teach those things to his children because he was a responsive man that was willing to listen to what God said to him and then act upon it and to do accordingly. We find that he was also an angel that later came to this same Joseph. Notice Notice over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Notice that another angel comes to Joseph, and it's pretty important that he listen and do precisely as he's told. We find that this angel came to him and, and gave him fair warning that he needed to flee into Egypt because that Herod was about to destroy all of the newborn babies because he wanted to make sure that he destroyed this one that had been brought into this world. And so we find that it was vital that when he was told to flee into Egypt that he do so, and what did he do? According to what the angel told him to do. You see, in these instances, Joseph didn't stand around doubting questioning God, trying to make sure that God really knew what he was talking about and that God really knew what he was doing and that this was really, he didn't do that. When God spoke to him, he knew that it was God. He showed the great faith that he had that God and he showed his obedience to the Lord's instructions. Why did God choose this man to be the father of our Lord Jesus Christ because he was a righteous man and because he was a responsive man. And I want you to know, and I've already touched on this, because he was a respectful man. A respectful man. Notice again in our text in Matthew chapter 1, I've already mentioned that there in verse 24 that he was going to put Mary away privately. 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, when the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. You see, not only do we see this before that the Lord Jesus Christ, but he had respect for what God had told him of what was going on here. The Bible says that ultimately, even when he took her to be his wife, that he showed respect for what it was and that he still, as a man, he respected the child that she was carrying as being the Lord Jesus Christ, and he had no marital relations with his wife until after the child was born. Out of his great respect, this was a miracle that was surrounding the conception of Mary or Mary's conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that God chose this man, Joseph. Because Joseph was a man that was a righteous man in his lifestyle and his example. He was a responsive man who would listen to God and act upon what God told him. But he was a respectful man showing his respect for God and the things of God as well as for his wife and those around him. We see something else, I believe, that was important from what little that we know of this man. As we've moved now from Matthew chapter 1, we find also that I believe this one called Joseph, he was a responsible man. He took his responsibilities seriously. Jesus went to his hometown. And when he went to his hometown, he began to teach in their synagogues. And the Bible says they were absolutely astonished at what Jesus was teaching. Notice over in Matthew chapter 13 of your Bibles. Matthew chapter 13. Notice what he says in verse 54 and 55. When he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man his wisdom, this wisdom, and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? See, Joseph was a hardworking, laboring man that supplied for his family and taught his children. And here as Jesus came in, the people were absolutely astonished. But they knew who he was the son of. And they knew the reputation of that man. They knew that he was one that obviously had a pretty good-sized family. That he worked and he was responsible and he took care of them. And of course, again, we see this responsible man taking his responsibilities serious in many of these other things that we've already mentioned. The responsibility of raising a child is awesome. Yet, you ever stop to think what that child in your arms, what God may have in store for him? What God can do with that little life, 
You know that every great man of God and every great woman of God that God has used through the centuries, at some point, was a mom or dad, or in most cases both, that held that little child. There was a parent to that child that took the responsibility of raising that child. And I want to give you one final thing about this man. Why this man Joseph? Why did God choose him? Yes, I believe that it's clear from the few things that we see about him that he was a righteous man. He was a responsive man. He was a respectful man. He was a responsible man. But he was a religious man. Many times we get bad connotations today because religion has more often than not come to mean something bad and negative because religion is so corrupt around us. But I remind you in James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion. And undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, to keep himself unspotted from the world. In other words, folks, we're talking about there is a true and an undefiled religion that will come out in the life of a person that's living. They will honor God. They will worship God. And God will have his rightful place in their life. And we find that this man, Joseph, he clearly was a man that had faith in the true God, was part of a true religion, that that which he claimed in his faith was shown in his lifestyle, in how he lived. We find that, again, in the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 2, notice what he tells us in verses 41 to 43. Speaking of Jesus, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Of course, they go on. They got a day's journey out. They thought he was with somebody else. They realized he's not here. They went back, and he was still back there sitting at the feet of those men in the temple. Every year, the Bible says, they were there. This man was faithful in taking his family to the important things that were laid down for them by God. And, of course, this feast in the Old Testament was, was one of the major things that was carried over here. This man was faithful to his Lord. Now, we know that as we look that every year, you think he might have been able to find some excuses not to go to God's house for this, that, or the other, or somewhere along the line. Well, I'm sure he could have. I'm sure there were times when there were unfavorable circumstances. We find that we know for a fact that we've already seen a list and we could turn and, 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 and you can read further in Matthew chapter 13. The truth is we know 
We know that there were other brothers and sisters in this family. We just read the names of at least four of them. We don't know how many sisters he had, but he clearly had some. Well, you know, I'm sure that Joseph could have found financial reasons with a big family, and he was just an average hardworking carpenter not to make this journey. We find that, as we find here, that he was faithful. He was there. He was a man that his religion was not just some words that he mouthed. But we see it coming through in the life that he lived, in the worship that he gave, the place that God had in his life. If every father even every father that is here today, we strove to at least, if God's book, if this is our guide to being good fathers, and God does teach us a lot about the family in our homes and how to be good parents, but probably a good place to start, man, is we could look at just the the character, the things that we know about this man, this was the man that God chose to be the father of his son on this earth. If we could take and apply those principles to us, do you think that it might make fathering a bit easier? Do you think that it might help us to be a bit more fruitful in our lives both individually and as a church? Do you think that if we practice this kind of fatherhood that it might even have an impact for Christ in the community where we live as we set the examples? You see, it's a challenge for us, men. And we find that, you know, you've heard me say before that I've often heard it said that it's one of those things that, you know, you're continually learning and that just about the time that you begin to learn how to be a parent, then it's time to become a grandparent instead anyway. <laughs> You've finished that part and you never quit learning the whole time. But what a joy. What a privilege. And of course, if you're here today, we could look at Scripture, and I won't take time now because our time is gone, but the truth is, as we said very early in the service, that it's not just moms and dads that have physically been in the bloodline that is your biological parent, but oftentimes it's someone else that has come into our lives that is fulfilled that place of a father or a mother. There's also within the church that the Word of God teaches us to be mothers and fathers to those that are younger, that are coming along. So we need spiritual moms and dads as well. And most of you can look back and you can see those people in your lives that have made a difference that though they weren't your physical father or mother, 
They have been there spiritually to have an impact on your life, to nurture you, to help you along the way. Today, you're here. Whether you had the best or worst father this world had to offer in the flesh, today you can celebrate and rejoice in the fact that if you know your heavenly father, I can assure you, he'll never let you down. He'll never abuse you. He'll never fall short of the mark. He will always be there. And see, so many times people get this wrong and they get it in reverse and they talk about, you know, the fact, well, I had such a bad dad. If I try to look at God as a father, then, you know, I really, really, really have problems with that because I don't need another father. The first one was bad enough. No, that's not it. <laughs> Doesn't matter how bad he was. We're not comparing God to him. Maybe his failings were short of God, but he is the perfect father. He is the father by which all fathers are measured by. He could be your father, and he will never let you down, and he will never leave you, and he will never fall short of the mark. He will always be there today. If you don't have the joy of having a father that has taken those responsibilities serious in this life, may I encourage you all the more to look to your heavenly father. Thank God that he's there. Thank God that you can have him. Thank God for those others in your life that have maybe God has brought along to fill those gaps, to fill those spaces. We find that today we want to honor our fathers, but not just the biological fathers, the spiritual fathers in our church, those that have been a father to all of us in their maturity, and they're nurturing of us as we grow in the spiritual faith. Those that have been there in our lives for us when we needed them. Those that have been there in your life for you. We want to honor them this day. And as we close in prayer and as we prepare to sing our closing hymn, we're going to sing in just a moment, Take My Life, and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Chose that hymn very simply because this evening that's what we see that certainly in the life of Joseph, he was consecrated to the Lord. That was the example that he set. Today our lives need to be consecrated, and whether we're here, whether you're the child or whether you're the mom or whether you're the dad, it is only God's strength that will get you through, God's wisdom Consecrating your life to Him. Learning from Him. He's the one that will help you to be. And you know, by the same token, you might sit here today, many of you just like me, if I ask, if there's a dad here that doesn't have some regret, wishing that he had done something better, something different, we think of the awesome responsibilities. None of us have got it all right. But thank God for his marvelous grace. You can't go back. I can't go back and change the things I didn't get right before. But I can truly give myself to the Lord as this man Joseph 
And from this day forward, I can trust to seek that God would take and mold me and make me and use me what he would have to be to be both a physical father if that opportunity is still there or a spiritual father if that opportunity is there in the church or even maybe a father to some fatherless, someone that doesn't have a father, that you can be there to help and fill that gap today. We sing this from our hearts, youngsters, You'll never, ever, ever truly be able to appreciate and honor your moms and your dads. Your life isn't concentrated, consecrated to him. Every individual here today, more than anything else, you need to know that you've got the heavenly father, that he's your father, that your relationship with him is everything that it should be. Father, you know the hearts of each one here today. And Lord, we know that there are probably many emotions in many ways good memories and bad memories. Father, we thank you that we can all look today to you as the perfect father. We can all look to you today that regardless of our situation here, regardless of what our fathers were, what kind of fathers that we have been, what has been or has not been in our lives, that we can all look to you as our heavenly father. And Lord, if there be anyone here today that has never made that decision in their lives, that has never truly accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh, I pray they could leave here today. I pray they could leave here today with a Father in heaven, that they can have total, complete, absolute, 100% confidence in, to never fail them, to never let them down, to always be there for them no matter what. He wants to be their Father today. May you help them to accept. And for each and every one of us, Lord, may you help us just learn from these very simple truths here this morning. The man that you chose to be the father to your son, Father, would you help us to look at his life and to learn from that, to apply those things to our life, that from here on, physical fathers, spiritual fathers, fathers to the fatherless, Lord, help us to be able, through your strength and your power and your grace, to be able to accomplish those things that you would put before us in a manner that would bring honor to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.